and welcome to the When's My Time podcast. I'm Ozzy Eyre, founder of whensmytime.com. Well, it's now Friday the 3rd of March 2017. And I can tell you it's a pretty wet and woolly day here. Been out with my little dog Jack this morning and he's not too keen on the rain. But I did, he's, he's got a little bit of a dodgy back. So I put a coat on to keep him warm, a little dog jacket thing on to keep him warm. And that keeps the rain off him, which means he's not so bothered by the rain, which means I get to spend more time out in the rain getting soaking wet with him. Anyway. Anyway, that's just a little aside. Um, It's been several days. In fact, it's been over a week since I last recorded one of these, and I do apologise. I'm going to record a couple today, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more detail shortly, uh, maybe in the next one. Um, But uh, been a little bit busy with client stuff and with... uh, Do you remember I talked... I can't remember whether it was the last one or the one before, that uh, I'm putting together a course on how to make video for little or no cost using resources you already have. This all stems from the fact that I I created a business more or less by accident. Seriously, more or less by accident, I, I created my, my video and voiceover business. And um, I've had one or two people ask me about that. And I've had one or two people ask me for advice on creating their own videos. And I thought, well, how am I best able to um, reach the most people, help the most people with that? Um, I know I'll, I'll put a course together that they can follow through step by step so that you don't have to ask me these questions. I mean, by all means, carry on asking questions. I'm, I'm happy to do that. But if you prefer to sort of work away on your own, this will take you right through the process uh, of creating video. And it will introduce you to lots of different types of video making too. But that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. It's just I'm just letting you know that I've been tied up doing that, and I will be tied up for some weeks to come. This is this is something that's that, that's grown. It's one of those things that you set out to do, and you think, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can knock that out in a couple of weeks. Uh, no, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. But I, hey, I'm enjoying it, and um, when it comes out, I hope you'll enjoy it too. One of the things that happened, though, in the past um, week and a bit since I've been away was last Friday would have been, had she been alive still, it would have been my mum's 86th birthday. Now, my mum and I, um, uh, how can I put this? I, in fact, I've, I've thought about whether to talk about this or not. We, we didn't not have really the best of relationships at times. We didn't out and out fight. We we'd bicker, we'd bicker. That was the thing. I always got the feeling. I'm being very honest here that she viewed me as something as a disappointment. Although talking to friends of hers, it seems that that wasn't the case. But to me, I always felt that I was a bit of a disappointment to her. And she always knew which hot buttons to press with me. She always knew how to um, trigger a response from me, and. Um, well, look, I, 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 here's the thing. I left home when I was 20. Um, I, I moved to London, which was a, a crazy thing to do, a crazy, stupid thing to do, because I could barely afford to live at home with my parents. So I I, I moved then to uh, probably what, at the time, the most expensive city on, on the planet. And, of course, that didn't turn out well, other than the fact that I met the wonderful woman who was to become my wife. And uh, I... I can't tell you how grateful I am that I'm still getting away with that after all this time. 
but yeah, I, I sort of left home uh, at 20, which was as soon as I realistically could. And it's a good job that I did, really, because I think had I stayed any longer, our relationship would have deteriorated more and more. But we still visited. Carol and I still visited my mum and dad. As I say, there was no major falling out. It's just that we would bicker. And I would feel that she disapproved wholeheartedly of me. And I certainly disapproved of <laughs> some of the things that she did. I mean, I'd, I, I disapproved of some of her choices, shall we say. And she was, oh, look, she was a churchwoman. She was faithful to her church for, for many, many years. But here's the thing. You know when it's like when two people just really can't get on? I mean, you get to the point where even the way somebody breathes, even the noise them they make when they breathe can irritate you. Well, that's how my mother and I were. But in fairness to her, I was the problem. I was the problem in all of this. And I'll talk more of that in a minute. We lived just shy of a couple of hundred miles away from uh, from where I grew up, from the family home. And we would visit, not as frequently as we should. Look, if you're familiar with the UK roads, you will no doubt have heard of the M25. The M25 is the the orbital road around the outside of London. And we, on our way home, had to use that particular road, which the best thing that can be said about the M25 is it's free parking. I mean, it really is. So this 200-mile trip, the best we ever did it was around about three hours. But it could take six, seven hours. So you can understand we didn't make that trip very often. And and I regret that. I do genuinely regret that. But every time along that trip, on that trip, I would promise myself that this time, this time, I would not rise to my mother's bait. This time, I would not bicker with her. I would not argue with her. I, this time, it was going to be a great visit. This time, everything was going to run smoothly. This time, I would be a grown-up and I would rise above all of this within 20 minutes of being there. Every time within 20 minutes of being there, we would be snapping at each other. So as I've said, we didn't have the best of the relationships. The reason I'm telling you this is not as a, a confessional, although it clearly is some something of that sort, but it's to say, look, if you recognise any of this, if this seems familiar to you, then if the other person is still alive, whether it's your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, whoever it is, sort it out before it's too late and make things right before it's too late. Because you will regret it if you don't. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you the other side of my mum now. My mother grew up in pretty much what these days would be would be close to absolute poverty. I mean, she really was from a poor family. And they had a hard time of it growing up. My mum and dad, both had a hard time of it growing up. Similar but different circumstances, if that makes sense. But whilst it was a very poor family, she was fortunate that her mother, my grandmother, was a very loving woman and a very hard-working woman. My, my grandfather, too, was a hard-working man. But like a lot of men in the, the early part of the last century, um, it was a different world then. And, um, well, I'm not going to go down, down that route. But my mum and dad became the first generation homeowners. They were the first generation to buy a home rather than live in rented, rented accommodation. There's nothing wrong with rent, renting accommodation, but it just shows a little bit of ambition on their part, I think, to, to do that. My father worked in, in a colliery, in a coal mine, and I've talked about my father in another podcast. So this is not about him. 
Um, uh, this is about my mum. And as I think I've already mentioned, my, my mother was um, a church member. She she went to church. She I, I don't share her faith, but um, she, she went to church regularly for all of her life. Initially chapel, Baptist chapel, and then on to C of E, uh, Church of England church. And served in the church choir for many, many years. In, incidentally, I did as a, as a boy. But it went further than that. It went further than just going to church. She worked tirelessly, but in a very quiet way, for charitable causes. She would knit endlessly tiny, tiny woolen hats that were shipped off by a charity for premature babies in third world countries. They were t- I mean, they were literally doll-sized hats, but that's what they, they, they needed for these little premature babies. And while she wasn't doing that, she was knitting squares for, for blankets, similarly for premature babies around the world. She would hold coffee mornings. Now, a coffee morning, I don't know if this is something that f- you're familiar with in other parts of the world, but a coffee morning, essentially you get a few people around to your house and you raise funds in a very low-level way for a charitable cause. And so she would hold those. And over the years, she literally raised tens of thousands of pounds for children's related charities. And she did this in a very quiet, understated way. And it's these little things, it's these little actions, these little repeated actions that have the major difference. It's not the grand gestures. She wasn't trying to in any way grab any limelight. But it's these little things that make the real difference. Those little hats that she knitted, she would never, ever meet the babies whose lives were probably even saved by something as simple as a knitted hat. Certainly made more comfortable. She would never meet those babies, but it didn't stop her doing it. And eventually, back in, I think it was the early 90s, might have been the late 80s, we don't know how this happened, but eventually she, one day, received an envelope from Buckingham Palace. And it was an invitation from Her Majesty the Queen to attend a garden party at Buckingham Palace. Now, my mother had always been a royalist anyway, but this to her was something so special. And it was in recognition of this charitable work that she'd done. And I don't think to her dying day she knows how Buckingham Palace found out. I Presumably one of her friends put her forward or something of that sort. But it was one of the proudest days of her life. In pr- probably even the proudest day of her life. And quite right too. See, although I bickered and argued with her, she was a wonderful woman. She really was. I didn't agree with everything, but she was a wonderful woman. And the reason she was a wonderful woman is she was absolutely full of love. Even when we were arguing, even when I felt I was disappointing her, even through all of that, even the days when I could... Literally, there were times when it was difficult to be in the same room as her. It was my problem. It was my problem, not hers. She was absolutely full of love. And at the end of her life, here's here's what happened. She was due to come to us at Christmas. I would drive up and uh, in alternate years, I would fetch Carol's mum to us for Christmas and then my mum 
the other year um, and the other year that Carol's mum would go to her brothers and my mum would go to my sisters if you, that makes sense so well it was our our year to have my mum at uh, at Christmas and she called and said she was a little bit ill she she didn't she didn't want to come she felt under the weather she'd got this flu thing she felt under the weather and she didn't want to come and I said right okay well we'll bring Christmas to you we'll pack up everything we'll bring Christmas to you she said no 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 don't come and I sort of thought well yeah I gather if if you've got flu and and fortunately she had fantastic neighbours and I thought well I can sort of understand that if you've really got flu the last thing you want is a bunch of visitors descending on you you just want to take to your bed and get better and I knew, as I say, that the neighbours sort of popped in and made sure that everything was okay. Uh, and so we agreed that we wouldn't go up to, uh, for Christmas. And we had this regular phone contact and so on. And she let it slip at some stage that she'd lost her appetite. Anyway, we, we visited her just after her birthday. Her birthday was 24th of February. And... I'll be honest, I was horrified by what I saw. It wasn't that she just lost her appetite. She just wasn't eating, literally wasn't eating and hadn't eaten for weeks. Now, she hadn't told us this. She hadn't told us this. So I tried to cajole her and make her eat and, and she she just couldn't. Now, I'm going to be honest, I was annoyed at myself for not having visited her before, but she asked us not to. Uh, I was annoyed at neighbours for not having told us, though... If they're seeing her every day, they wouldn't pick up on the deterioration. I was certainly annoyed at her GP, her doctor, who visited regularly for not picking up on this. But really, I was annoyed at myself. I was annoyed at myself. So uh, we spent a few days there and I tried to feed her up and it just wasn't happening. And I had to get back to work and Carol was at work. And, and so I phoned my sister and she agreed that we, what we'd do is we'd take her to my sister's and She'd stay there for a while and my sister would try and feed her up and get her strength back up. But while she was there, my sister couldn't get her to eat much. I mean, really, a spoonful of food a day, you know, I mean, it was really ridiculous. So she got the, the doctor around as well there and he got her admitted to hospital. And unfortunately, she never came out. She was admitted to hospital on the Thursday, we'd taken her down to my sister's. And she was in hospital for a month. And I would drive over every day to the hospital. It was it's about a 75-mile journey there. So about a 150-mile round trip. Because of the traffic at the time of day that I could go, it was sort of a, a journey that took about two and a half hours there and about an hour and a half back. So it's about four hours driving a day. So for a month, I was doing that every day. But eventually, she just wasted away and died. And it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But the one thing I'm grateful for in all of this is that during that month that I was driving over every day, I actually became close to my mum. Probably from the first time since I was very little, I became close to my mum. And I was able to, in the end, to, to help nurse her. Something that I didn't think I'd ever do. And so last week, I was, I was thinking about my mum. And as I said, I've thought long and hard about whether to talk about this, but I, the reason I'm talking about it is not to wallow in this in some sort of self-pity or some sort of self-flagellation or anything of that sort. It's to, it's to tell you 
that if you've got any of these issues in your own life, sort them out now while you can. Because if you leave it too late, you will always, always, always regret it. My mother was absolutely full of love. And my problem was that I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it. I was too close to it. But I'm just grateful that I got to see it at the end. And one thing I've realised throughout all of this, uh, if you're a regular listener, you know this already, I'm pretty much a a year off being 60. So I'm I'm no spring chicken. But the thing that I realised last week on my mother's birthday is it doesn't matter how old a man is or how long it is since she died, he will always remain his mother's son. Nothing will ever change that. And I guess it's true with daughters and dads. Um, I don't know. I've never been a daughter. Um, I'm a dad, but I've got sons. But a man will always be his mother's son. So if you've listened to this and you can recognise even an ounce of the issues that I've discussed uh, in yourself, I'm sure you can't. I'm sure you're a much more together person than I ever was in these circumstances. But even if you can recognize just a little bit of this in yourself doesn't have to be with your mum or your dad it could be your brother it could be your sister it could be a friend at work it could be sort it out sort it out because there will come a day when you'll look back and think boy i wish i'd laid that to rest before it was too late and now i never get the chance i was very lucky with my mum in that last month that i got the chance to to put things right Very late, I know, and um, I I don't come out of this in a good light, do I? But I'm hoping to help you avoid a similar issue. Anyway, Mum, I miss you. I wish I'd had the opportunity to to talk as openly about these issues with you. Miss you too, Dad. We didn't have so many issues. We had a few, (laughs) but not so many. But um, there's not a day goes by without I think of both of them. And there's not a day goes by without me thinking, gosh, I wish they were still here, because... I could do with their advice right now. And I'm guessing that will never change. Bit of a different one today, I know, but we're back to normal in the next one. I'm going to jump back on and record another one. I've been Ozzy Air, founder of whensmytime.com, and I'm here to tell you, your time is now.